Radio, and here we go, another episode of We Talk Comics on the air and in your ear once again. I am Martin. I'm joined by the King of the Casters, Mr. Brett Podcast. Brett, we got two extremely talented guests joining us today. That's for sure. Uh, so today we have Kyle Simmers and we have Ryan Danny Owen. They are the creators of a book called Pass Me By. It's actually a series. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you, both of you, explain what you did on the book. So Kyle, let's start with you. Yeah, so I um, am the illustrator and co-author of the book. Uh, Ryan and I work together very collaboratively throughout the writing process. Um, and that collaboration continues through into the illustration process as well. We're both visual artists. And uh, while I'm the one with uh, pen to page, there's a lot of uh, conversation about aesthetics and visuals that is happening between us. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I co, uh, co-create the book with Kyle, and I also letter the, the book, uh, hopefully reasonably well, <laughs> or possible at least. Isn't that what we always hope for, is that uh, everything's going to be at least reasonably well done? We've come a long way. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into the lettering then, because, uh, you know, it is a it is an art form all of its own. But um, where did the inspiration for the story come from? And actually, give us the elevator pitch. Yeah, so um, Pass Me By is a queer rural Canadian tragedy uh, following an elderly gentleman named Ed in the early stages of a dementia diagnosis. Um, with our second title releasing, our book takes on a dual narrative exploring Ed's present struggle with this disease, relationships with community, while he's sort of forgetting the basic things that he does every day, his, what he orders every day at a diner. Um, and our split uh, ventures into Ed's memories, specifically into the 1970s when Ed went on tour with a glam rock band. Uh, and, and that's encapsulated in our book, Electric, uh, Passing by Electric Vice. The inspiration for this story comes a few years ago, um, back when I was in art school. Um, at the time, my maternal grandmother was in the early stages of a dementia diagnosis, and uh, or of dementia, rather. And it was a thing that my whole family was experiencing and coping with. Um, it was something that was pretty difficult for me to process at the time. Um, and so I did a little comic that was like trying to find the light in the situation and trying to like feel my way through what was happening to family. Um, Ryan and I ended up working together on sort of some refinements that I was doing to this throughout my last year in uh, university. And there was a real creative chemistry there. Um, we had some really complimentary ideas about you know, how to tackle this very sensitive subject. Um, we were both dealing with disease and with depression, uh, disease in our families and, and depression in our own lives. Um, so I think we took like a, a pretty tender hand to the, the content we were dealing with. Um, and then particularly digging into, uh, into Ed's past and into this sort of uh, queer exploration that was happening. Um, that kind of parallels a lot of uh, what was happening personally in our lives as well. And um, yeah, it's a lot of the material ends up being sort of mined from personal experience. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Ryan. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, I, no, I don't have anything to add. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of it. Sorry. <laughs> that's one way to go. Now, 
when you when you got started did you kind of realize how big a process it would be and how long did you spend on the gone fishing volume yeah i think not at all not quite. uh I, I think i had imagined that i w- would be able to illustrate a whole book uh in a year and i was going to be five years in and out and uh we're now five years in releasing book two with uh some uh good distance to go but i i think that's a uh, point towards the series um, rather than against it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've uh, grown so much as people throughout that time, and I don't think that the story would be half of what it's it already is and what it's growing to be um, if it if it had happened as quickly as originally intended. So then, when you were when you were kind of putting it together, I guess, and then as you were kind of going through the art and then all the script, like. How much did you change things in the story? How much did you kind of throw out original concepts? And and when that growth happened, what what did it do to your original concept? What did it do? We like that. That's the thing is, um, oh man, you go through so many different versions of the story in order mm-hmm. to get to this. Like we wanted to be really smart and like practical with everything that we put into the story so it went through a lot of different alterations things to kind of make something that had a a, every character had a purpose and like a reason to pull this story forward and things like that um but when we originally released it we released it through kickstarter back 2018 uh gone fishing through kickstarter uh we funded like a little risograph edition and that version was a little bit different and then renegade got a hold of uh or we basically talked with alexander at renegade and from there we worked together to kind of build up the gone fishing version we had to change a few versions to make it uh, applicable for a trade release and then from there our new book has actually more responded off the edits that we did on the renegade edition than the original riser craft edition so our uh and our Timeline gets a little wild once you start looking at all of our different editions, but really it's like um, Renegades came in and they gave us a space to like really perfect and work these ideas. And especially with Electric Vice, we really wanted to make something that was like our most cohesive version of the narrative and the story that we wanted to tell. So we wanted a very tight narrative there. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that went through a million different rewrites before we released it within like three months yeah we um we like pass uh a working script back and forth all the time um so it's it's constantly under revisions you know i've uh have huge chunks of like later books that uh i've written that like we'll come back to and like grab like a little piece of this works and that works this rest of it is bad it's gone um and um yeah we kind of have like a the skeleton of the whole story arc laid out we we really understand where we're we want these characters to sort of end up, but we're, we leave space in that, that as we're writing those books um, in the subsequent years, you know, there's, there's room for us to bring the experiences that we've had since we started working on this into that story. Um, so there's like, there's enough structure there to keep us like focused and stable, but we definitely give ourselves a lot of room to um, let the story reveal itself to us in its most beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's one of the things I really appreciate about the book. Uh, you let the art tell the story most of the time. And it's uh, not overwritten in any way. It's paced very nicely. Um, I'm sure that a lot of this is uh, the help of the editorial team at Renegade Arts Entertainment. Uh, Alexander and his crew, I mean, 
what did they teach you during the process? Yeah. What have we learned? I mean, there's been a lot that we've learned. <laughs> what have Yeah. I mean, we were like, we were so fresh to the, uh, which we're still, we're still very so fresh. Yeah. It's, it's still book two for us. Um, but yeah, we came out of this like little self-published thing, as Ryan mentioned, and um, we had a lot to figure out about how uh, comics work. I mean, I can think there is a like 87 email chain uh, <laughs> where Alex <laughs> working out the formatting uh, for this book to get it to print with the exact colors that we wanted. And like, you know, from technical to editorial end of things, there's been a, a huge learning uh, curve um, throughout the past four years that we've been yeah. working on the book. And I, I always say the same Oops. thing to everybody that it's like, as a creator, you kind of have to make friends with failure and you have to get accepting and confident with your mistakes and learn from them and grow with all of that. And I think that's like, you know, renegade aside, that's the biggest thing I've learned is that when I fuck up or sorry, when I make mistakes, it's I fine. To, don't worry. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm worried about swearing. Um, we can all fuck up. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically, you just have to realize that, like, it's it's the whole journey. It's not just the one thing. It's all of the time and the mistakes and the books and the revisions. Everything makes the piece and the, the finished product, right? So then, you know, between going self-publishing and then, and then when Renegade comes in, like, what was it that kind of drew you to renegade as opposed to just trying to keep going by yourselves we had been in touch with renegade throughout the process um i think we had like this little like 24 page teaser that was like it was just inked there was no color um that we had shown to alexander early on in the process and then you know we had half a book and we funded ourselves through kickstarter and we're kind of keeping in touch with Renegade throughout that process. Um, there was like even some mentorship happening at that stage. Mm -hmm. um, and then once we had the book, you know, um, done and ready to go, um, that was, it was a pretty clear uh, opportunity for us to jump on board with Renegade. And yeah. And I feel like, you know, Renegade's like a small indie press. And I think a big thing that a lot of creators should talk about is that building up like yourselves and then also an indie publisher is like an actual beneficial thing. You kind of work mutually together to like accelerate and get more people talking and seeing your, your work. And that's effective for Renegade and that's effective for us. So I kind of see the, the positives in it in that sense. And self-publishing is really hard. Oh my <laughs> like, goodness. Yes. And it's so hard to supply everything and like get it on, on shelves and get it in front of, people that we would never be able to get in contact with or, or have see the book is yeah immeasurable. Like it's so helpful. Yeah. I think like, like Renegade extends our reach so much um, beyond where we could do things locally or through our posted through our own uh, platforms and tabling and things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The reach, uh, you know, being able to get into the U S and the UK uh, as well as across Canada mm -hmm. is huge. And I don't think that we would have to work pretty hard on our own to get this. Same sort of groundwork out there. What? No. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. of course, if you could do it all on your own, then everybody would do it all on their own, right? We wouldn't need publishers. On the other hand, we don't want to give Alex too much credit. I can see his head <laughs> growing right now. <laughs> we discovered. We found stars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now then, 
you know, you guys, I mean, especially on the back of the first one, I mean, we've got recommended by CBC Books. Like, what was it like to kind of get the book out there to get people to provide pull quotes and to and to just get it read by people that you wanted to talk about the book? Gosh, that's an uphill battle, too. It's so much like... It's going to sound bad, but like repeatedly bringing it and like talking about it and it's appearing on more things is like a huge part of how we're getting it in front of people is just getting the notoriety of it all. Um, so I guess just be annoying is the best advice that I could. Possibly <laughs> um, but I think another big part of it is that there needs to be like a, a level of understanding that like people want to hear your story mm -hmm. and you have to be willing to share it. Mm -hmm. And that means sharing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like, there's a level of honesty and like trust that you need to have with your readers that you don't exactly expect to have to give up, but you do. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. I think that's particularly with the, you know, the story that we're working with is, is a very vulnerable and very personal story. So yeah, to have people read it and connect with it and, you know, um, it's, uh, I have, will, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> when reviews come in, sometimes it, uh, it's, it's a fantastic feeling. It's very validating. Um, but even on top of that, it's, you know, personal connections where like I've met with people after they've read the book and, you know, they've connected across lines of, uh, dementia in particular has been one that has spurned some really amazing conversations with friends and family. Um, of, cause so many people have been touched by that condition. So yeah, the like really personal connections that people are are drawing through this are, are very powerful. And it's the sort of key inspiring thing to keep going forward. And the art's pretty good, too. So I think people like that. <laughs> the art is definitely pretty good. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, I really enjoyed the art. It's it's uh, I mean, there's kind of a melancholy feel. I've only had the opportunity to want to read the first volume. Uh, looking forward to reading Electric Vice, but I haven't gotten there yet. Um, but there's kind of a, a melancholy feeling right from the beginning, even from the art. Uh, and, and and it kind of permeates the book, but not in a bad way, just in a way that makes you feel for the characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our, I think empathy is like a big part of it. Oh, yeah. I think like empathy is like the guiding force to um, any, anything that we do with this. Um and yeah, that that book came out of a, a pretty hard period um, for both of us. Um, uh, in fact, just after that first book was published, um, I received a diagnosis of bipolar type one. Um, and that made a lot of sense when I found out um, that there was something medical grade happening with the, the depression that I had been experiencing for you. It was something that I like. I very much needed to to express and to feel like understood in that place. And like by carving out that vulnerable story and, you know, moving forward with it, we're moving into different places and we're like kind of charting a way out of that territory. Um, well, we're weaving it in. I think melancholy is, is like a really big part of life. And yeah. I think it, it kind of creates a more honest portrait of, like who Ed is, and again, it's it's that empathy, that empathy, and that connection that you have with that character is because of that level of melancholy and kind of that level of like distance and and sadness you can feel it leap off the page. And I think it's even more prevalent in 
um, after you read Electric Vice, going back and looking at Gone Fishing, you kind of get more of an understanding of that character in a way that, like, you were informed just seeing him. It was a fully informed character on the first panel. But then when you look at Electric Vice, you get this whole new concept and this whole new context to, like, who that character is and their experiences. And that's why we do the whole series, I guess. Yeah, we kind of set up some expectations in book one. And um, then work to subvert them yeah. in the in the subsequent books. One of the things that actually helps the art and helps the feel of the book so much is the coloring. And you mentioned that you know you wanted you had a specific idea of the look. Why don't you go into kind of the process of the the colors for this book? Yeah, so that stems out of our original production, which was done in risograph. Um, and risograph printing is a process that's a lot closer to silkscreen than it is to digital printing. Um, it's this like uh, process where I have two colors that I'm able to use in various transparencies and I'm able to, able to overlap. So in our first book, those two colors are treated kind of separately. And the pink is actually used as a way of like highlighting the things that help Ed place who he is and where he is um, when that's becoming increasingly difficult for him. And then stepping into the memories, I'm able to overlap those two ink colors together to produce these like magentas and purples um, that are very fun in terms of color theory and produce this like harmony that cues you in that you're in the memory, that you're sitting within that sort of placement in Ed's mind. It's it's really interesting, of course, looking at the colors and then, you know, thinking about the next books. Do you do you intend color shifts and, and to kind of continue pushing away from the colors that you started with? Or do you feel like you're always going to kind of keep with these ones? Well, I have the way that I've built the, the book, I actually still have plenty of room to grow within this two color palette um, where. Uh, everything that I've done in book two is sort of produced between like up to like 100% pink to 50 teal. And I have this whole range that actually pushes into like navy blue, um, which is left for me to explore. And that's something that we're looking to start bringing in with book three and uh, creates even another sort of like place and time within the narrative. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that that's something that visually excites me a lot heading into illustrating uh our next books in the series. Mm -hmm. So the glam rock uh, side of it, is that something you guys already had a familiarity with? Were you fans of glam rock from the 1970s? Or was there just a lot of research that you put into to try and give it a, an accurate feel? Uh, both entirely for me. Um, I was a huge fan. I like grew up on all sorts of like m much music, uh, biopics about bands and things. And I really had gravitated towards that sort of music at an early age, but came back around to it in this series in a, in a serious way, digging in a lot into the, the research side of things. I started looking a lot at uh, rock photographers who would go on tour with these bands, um, guys like Neil Preston and Mick Rock, who would like tour with Queen, Led Zeppelin, Bowie, and get amazing shots on film photography. Um, some and a lot of that I actually am like directly referencing in the illustration that I do throughout the book. I that that research aspect was a really fun part about setting this as like a period work. Mm -hmm. You know, there's portions of the book that are inspired by 1970s Vancouver, and so 
like I was using like Google Street View and like composite photography from like the Vancouver City Archives to like figure out what buildings would be around and how to like make this <laughs> thing feel like it had uh, that real history to it. Was it difficult to find all of that archival stuff? Like how how much how much uh, digging did you have to do for some of the research? I had to I had to dig a bit. Um, you have to find your way through some pretty clunky websites uh, when it comes to archives. Uh, but a lot of there is a lot of digitized stuff up there, so I didn't have to like visit in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's usually like a mix of, of like uh, like Google will only take you so far, and then you end up on these like weird like almost like GeoCities type web pages that just. <laughs> amazing photo archive like uh yeah there's a fair bit of digging around that's a, that's a part of the process that i have a lot of fun with actually well let's get into the lettering a little bit oh no <laughs> <laughs> no I mean, just just because as you go into the second volume and as you're trying to present glam rock and that lifestyle and that the music and that era i imagine that the the uh the needs that you would have to do as a letterer changed from the first volume um, so the songs were done actually by Derek, um, like the, the typography that's in the songs were done by uh, Kyle's brother, Derek, uh, Derek Simmers did the typography in the songs. But one thing that we really had to do with the uh, the lettering for this, this one was work with Kyle's like illustrations to kind of further create kind of that um, fluid nature of glam rock, I guess, mm-hmm. kind of that spontaneousness. There's a lot of speed to the dialogue and there's kind of these um very overwhelming scenes that have a lot of text with these very like fluid open illustrations and we really had to work together to create something that like communicated well with the text and the illustrations yeah i think we worked a lot on trying to find like a harmony yeah. in how we the, the text laid out <laughs> um and, and then yeah my brother uh is also an illustrator um we actually collaborate quite often on mural projects um, but Derek has a fantastic hand, hand for doing typography. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we work together uh, to produce the uh, like lyrics where like the band is performing uh, in a pretty fun and uh, exciting way. Yeah. And it's it's fun too. in like a, like I it's a funny joke because I have a degree in drawing and like no physical idea how to draw. Like literally, if you put a pencil in front of <laughs> Um, but you make a sculpture. I can I can make a sculpture. But a thing that I also do is I do a lot of automatic writing and a lot of poetry in my practice. And a lot of the text looks very similar and like references elements of my practice and like mm-hmm. things that are in my handwriting and things like that in kind of all of our handwriting. So yeah. it's like a really nice marriage of a lot of different styles and a lot of different people. Yeah. Like even our uh, title text on the cover of the book. uh is done by myself, but that's done while looking at text work that I have of Ryan's hanging around my house to like kind of have that uh, unified feel. I don't write well, but it looks very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you guys were also embraced by the Kickstarter community. You funded your first book through there. Uh, I think you had about 175 backers, somewhere in that range. Uh, the second volume, you raised even more money. Um, it must feel good to be kind of feel part of that community is, is there to support you already. Yeah. And um, Kickstarter is a really fun uh, example of like community coming together. And it's 
um, it's a lot of friends and family and community, local community that we have here in Calgary. But then also a ton of it is just from comic stores on Kickstarter. So many people just run through Kickstarter and just uh, grab comics. You know, I literally just did that with a one that's from Black Panel Press. Like, it's it's a wonderful space because it gives you know, like indie publishers, an opportunity to like get books out into the market that wouldn't have the opportunity to go to print or creators to get the space to fund indie projects that people aren't looking at yet. And that's how like ours got started was like yeah. our first book. No one like the, the reason why we made the book was because it was a story we had never seen anybody saying. And Kickstarter was the answer we needed to say that people would listen and mm -hmm. like would want to see that story succeed and see value in it. So there's a lot of benefits to Kickstarter. What we basically did is like with all the funding that we always get, we always immediately put it back into the book. And like you fall into a lot of difficult pitfalls because you are doing a creator run thing with Kickstarter that like you have to really hold yourself accountable um, for everything that goes on. But it's it's a invaluable space and like difficult, but invaluable. Yeah. And I mean, um, oh, go ahead. And it's allowed us to do uh, a lot of things. You know, that's where that's where we got our start. Um, I don't know that we would be where we are without Kickstarter. Um, and then it's also allowed us to produce um, a special edition of Electric Vice. Um, the process that I mentioned earlier, risograph printing, uh, we were able to fund a small edition of 200 uh, books that are produced in that format yeah. um, that have these like very neon fluorescent pinks that you just can't match with offset like CMYK printing. We can't even photograph it. It's such like a ridiculous tone it's, of pink. It's so yeah. frustrating. You can't like when you get them in front of you, they just glow. And I feel like RGB yeah. screens don't even do it justice. You post it on Instagram. They're like, is that the same book? And you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Would you give it any advice for people if they were going to launch a Kickstarter? What would it be? Um, get ready to like put a lot of damn work into it. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, all, it's also like social media. It's not. I think we have this creative idea in our heads that like if we have the money, a thing just exists and it can be. Mm -hmm. But it's a process of like social media, managing, talking with people, meeting other creators, developing graphics, social like emails, all kinds of things in order to build that thing. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember that like if you see a value in your story, there's value in your story and you have to demand it. You have to like push it out there. So I guess demand it. <laughs> <laughs> Be ready to the work, but uh, it's valuable. Yeah, your stories are valuable. It's worth fighting for. What then did you learn from the first one to the second one? I've, I've learned so much, um, just like artistically and in terms of like visual development. I think I've grown so much throughout the, the process. I've learned a lot about what I can do with these colors. I've learned a lot in terms of gesture and, um, and pacing and expression. Uh, on the visual side, there's been there's been a ton of development that I think sh shows up pretty evidently in the yeah. read itself. Yeah, I've, I, what have I learned? I've learned to a lot of things, but mostly I've learned that like I have to trust myself when like I have a moment of panic where I'm like, is is there, am I being ridiculous and like trying to pursue comics, trying to pursue anything related to like art and creation that like uh, <laughs> it's good 
to be worried and like question yourself, but you kind of just have to jump into it and like really go for it. Kind of trust you guys. Yeah. There's value in doing it, right? Art is the most valuable thing to me in the planet outside of family and friends. I believe it's it's what separates us from any other thing. It's what makes us human. So Absolutely. you know, it's it's important to to pursue that. And I think we've noticed more than any anything right now in this time is like creation and like sharing things with people is so crucial and important to like mm-hmm. growth and community and stuff. And it's nice to see. <laughs> How did you know? I guess when when each of the volumes was done. <laughs> I had deadlines. No, we had like uh, a very um, structured script laid out. Um, and then uh, with my process, I will draw out uh, like thumbnail rough out the entire book so that I know how long it's going to be. That allows me to sort of budget okay, if I have, this one was 168 pages, I can sort of break down how much work I have to be tackling each month to stay on track. And um, this one inevitably grew, I think like four to six pages or something as I was working on it. But once I w- when I was illustrating the final chapter, uh, I knew that it was it was the final chapter that didn't, actually we did add two pages right at the end. We added two pages, we added right, two at pages end, right at yeah. the end. Yeah, we, had, we sent it around for some feedback. and Which is so good. I'm yeah. so, I, looking back, I'm so glad that we sent it to, to people just to you know get early reads of it because we actually learned a lot about um, character structure, which mm-hmm. was a super important thing for us. Yeah, it's amazing. I think what you can learn from, from sending it out to people, but also very nice for you that you have the ability to kind of go in and add two pages and you don't have to, you know, say go to an artist who then puts it into his queue or into their queue. And it's like the next thing, you know, two months later, you wind up with two more pages, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just yell at Kyle and and then two pages come out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot of caffeine, lots of love, lots of love. (laughs) Well, I mean, in the two volumes, you're at uh, how many pages now? I mean, it was 160-something for the second volume and 122 or something like that for the first volume. Is that right? Uh, 122 and 168. So I think that puts us, like, just about over 300. Yeah, it's it's getting up there. And and it's so funny. Um, that's already 300 pages, and we've, we've literally just started. <laughs> <laughs> how many pages do you think it'll be by the time you're done? You, do you know? Do you have the other volumes roughed out uh, as, a, as a script or, do you, or just a plot line? Or what do you have ready? We have like, so we, we definitely know where we're going and we have plans for like, for book three and we have plans for book, we have like a rough for book three. We have kind of a few story elements for book four and then we have most elements for the ending of book five, mostly. Yeah. And we're kind of just at this point starting to, um, bring in a lot of new ideas that we have. Cause that's a big thing. A part of it too, is like, we're changing as we're writing the book. So like story elements are changing and like characters are, are changing as we're going. And, uh, at this point, I don't know if we could guess how many pages, but I'm like imagining like 5,000 to million. It must feel like it. Huh? <laughs> I, I don't see the books getting shorter. <laughs> um, that's probably 
were. Uh, I think I said 200 pages for, or like, dropped 200 for book three and my yeah, publisher. Uh, and <laughs> like, the book's getting more expensive, Alexander. <laughs> so we got, we're probably going to reel that back. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll reel that back, please. <laughs> Like I say, it's it must be nice to know that you can tell, take as many pages as you want. You're not sitting there going, I got to do this in 24 pages and 24 pages every month or anything like that. You you have the freedom to do it, you know, kind of uh, as the story needs it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it allows us to create really um, well encapsulated books on their own. Um, that's something that we've talked about with some people because there's a lot of people now who have read Electric Vice before they read Gone Fishing. And it still works. Um, mm-hmm. The way that the stories are laid out, they can um, be approached from either direction, and it still gets you to a similar place um, in t- terms of your understanding of the characters in the world. Yeah, we wouldn't have gotten that without like our, having our creative vision be like so much just the, the pushing force of creating everything and like getting that support from again Renegade to actually just execute what we set out creatively to make has been really really good. Do you ever like kind of have to rein yourself in from wanting to kind of rush through creating the next volumes just to kind of make sure that it all gets out? Like, do you ever have the kind of excitement where it's just like, oh, I need to, I need to tell the story. I need to get all of this out like right now. I mean, as much as I want the book to be out right now, it takes some time. So it's like an intense, like laborious process. But mm-hmm. but I think the reason why I don't want to like get it all out immediately is because I'm seeing the like positive impacts of taking our time to like really well execute it at its like highest degree. Mm-hmm. So then another thing, I mean, we originally first met you at the uh, at the Calgary Expo, the limited edition. And mm-hmm. ah. now how important is it uh, to table in this case? I think it's it's a very important part about connecting with the community. I mean, um, thinking back to where we got our start, you know, things like uh, panel one in particular were amazing for connecting with other creators and getting our story in front of people. Um, that was where we had the Rise of Graph edition, and it was so different from anything else that people had seen that day um, that it really helped us make an impact. Um, and yeah, you're able to connect with, you know, other creators and fans and folks in media. And those those events just like really give you a sense of community yeah. around this art form of comics that is, is so valuable. Yeah. Um, and, and also people get to to like directly support the artist Mm -hmm. and i think that's like a really big part of it is like it's been really great to get to sell the the risograph edition because it directly supports kyle and i Mm -hmm. so it's like actually directly pushing the creation of the book forward because it helps us survive Mm -hmm. (laughs) survival i've I've heard it's a good thing Mm -hmm. exactly but you know that's like the value in tabling is is also like we're obviously kind of shit chatters and like i love talking to people about especially the story and i find i i uh i enjoy those spaces because i'm kind of anti-social on social media but i love talking to people in person um so i love uh getting to connect with people directly yeah watch out for ryan and i on a panel we'll uh we will take over your panel (laughs) (laughs) there's a certain psychology to doing tabling well as well you know, it's it, it's you, you want to sell, but you don't want to oversell to people. 
and you want to make them feel comfortable. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's something that another thing that you'll get better at the more you do. Yeah. I, um, I like when I was writing this book, I was like first getting into the, um, the drag scene. And I, from there was really learning, not necessarily how to sell a book, but like sell a performance Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like really connect and present something to people that they would want to, uh, not run away from you. Yeah. I think that like the way that we to do that is to open on like the, uh, connecting on the, the grounds of, you know, what's we're exploring in the book. Um, a lot of times, uh, the color well, really helps too. Everyone's the color like helps. pink. <laughs> it pops at yeah. you. Well, I, I do think it's really important to have those elements that absolutely stand out because I mean, there's, there is so much color. There's so much everything at the at comic shows that pop out. So it's just like, how do you separate yourself from everything else surrounding you and to bring, and to make it cut through for people to come through and buy from you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely do that, I think. Got that well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The book, I mean, the book itself, I mean, it's, it's, it is so striking. And I think that that is a definite boon for you guys. Oh, thank you. I, I think one of the things that really I, I think is important for people to know is, while it's described as a, a, a queer rural Canadian tragedy, um, it relate, everybody will find this relatable. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's, that's a really very impressive. Um, the way that you guys are being able to make it relatable to everybody. Yeah, I think we're like, we're trying to bring in a lot of intersecting experiences uh, in uh, in what we're exploring in that world. And that that is really intentional, you know, that's um, to bring folks in to read a story that has these elements that they might not encounter a lot in media around them. Um, kind of uh, bring some shared empathy yeah, uh, to they, those disparate I, worlds. Yeah, I think like where our experiences are different, they're also very similar. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people share a lot of similar traumas or experiences or, or experiences with disease, especially now that um, it's a story that a lot of people can connect to and find their own bridges towards it, you know? Again, like to bring it back to empathy again, you know, that's kind of the, the core thing, right? That, you know, people can have these very different experiences of the world in terms of material circumstance or anything, but, you know, we're all human and we all feel the same emotions and we all, you know. It's not uh, written just for Canadians. Canadians only. (laughs) Well, and yeah, and that's exactly it. It, it, you could transpose, I mean, you say, you say a Canadian town, but you could transpose it anywhere in North America, essentially. And it could, it could be like, you know, outside Seattle, it could be outside Texas. It doesn't matter. It's because it's just, it's a human story. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And I want to give you the chance right now to uh, to tell everybody where they can find the books, how they can keep up with you, and just, you know, promote the heck out of your book. Yeah, so our, both of our books are available across Canada, the U.S., and the U.K. Um, I always recommend going to your favorite local bookstore. If they don't have us in, they'll be able to order us in. Um, but we're carried at a lot of shops, particularly around Calgary. Um, and... We're also available online through our publisher's website, uh, Renegade Arts Entertainment. 
And if you're interested in risograph and want to see what a like fu- fully silkscreen book looks like, uh, you can check out my shop at my website, uh, kylesimmers.com. Awesome. awesome. Well, I do want to go and, and have a look at that. I, uh, did you have one of those at the, at the uh, expo? We didn't have them in yet. Uh, my printer ha- was just like, hand- like so these week. are all done by hand also. Oh my goodness. We have a printer out in Ontario who like, hand manipulated like six to seven thousand sheets of paper um, all like cut and collated and then um bound by a bindery out in york Mm -hmm. but um yeah they're a they're a major labor of love both in terms of the illustration that i do and the formatting to make that happen and then yeah and like no one makes risograph books (laughs) yeah i've I've seen like a 30 page zine before but i've never seen anything produced at the scale that we are Mm -hmm. All right, way to go. Let's be insane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you both, really. It's it's been a wonderful chat. So amazing to chat. And I've I've really enjoyed this discussion. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear you guys uh, got something out of panel one. That makes me very happy. I had a great time. I miss it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great thing. Well, thanks so much, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best in the future. And we look forward to uh, seeing you on the convention circuits and uh, certainly look forward to reading Electric Vice and the rest of them. Absolutely. Look forward to seeing you both. Awesome. All right. Bye now.